0: podcast for Cardiff Live and uh, today we have Luke Bradshaw in the uh, studio today to talk a little bit about uh, his career. Now Luke is a professional musician. A long time ago uh, when he was a young lad we actually had the pleasure of working together in a local music store. I think you were about 17 at the time. I think so, we're a
1: very old men now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, one of the reasons I, I asked you in today to uh, have a, a chat with us was um, if there was anybody out there who uh, wanted to, be, to take a sort of route in, in uh, becoming um, a professional musician or, or to make money or even just if they're interested in going down that route in any way, I thought it would be a good idea to get somebody like yourself who's had quite an experience and uh, could talk a little bit about it for us. So and I put don't them off forever. <laughs> yeah, put them off forever, perhaps. I mean, it's a tough route. We all know that. We've all um, had ups and downs. Uh, within what we've done in, in terms of being a self-employed musician or promoter or whatever you like to call it uh, if you get involved in the music business we know it's a tough route. Um, but I think w- what would be good is if you sort of start at the beginning and sort of say how you kind of so I know you played in local bands uh, when you were around about a that <laughs> yeah. age I remember coming to see you in some of the gigs
1: yeah I suppose um, I think I'm something like 25 years in as a self-employed Professional musician. Yeah, it's quite this a long year, time. I think. Which is, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's an achievement. In yeah, his
1: yeah. I think, yeah, but uh, yeah, started off. Well, I started off learning classical guitar when I was about ten years of age, I think, whatever, in the last year of junior school. Um, I mean, back then, I was I was never interested in classical guitar. It was always electric guitar, and yeah, you know, yeah. basically my my dad's record collection. I grew up listening to when I was a kid. Was, you know, like a lot Pink of us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pink Floyd, to old Dan, you know. Yeah. Luckily, it was all music, good quality music, good playing, so that was kind of like my musical education from my earliest childhood memory is one of my dad's albums being played in the car. Um, so all I ever wanted to do was learn guitar, but you know when I was ten, there were there weren't any electric guitar teachers around then. There was no sort of music colleges like like contemporary music colleges like like here. So. It was just classical guitar, so I, I just, my parents paid for me to just have classical guitar lessons. Um, and I sort of sat all the grades, and I did my grade 8, I think, when I was about 15. Um, but that's all I ever wanted to do. I just wanted to play guitar, and yeah. kind of found that I was okay at it. <laughs> do,
0: you, do you think that those early sort of lessons, were, you know, that's been the foundation for what you've gone on? You know, if you're going to advise somebody who, you know, they, they kind of think they want to pick up an instrument, do you think it's, like, essential, or...? Or is it um, something that it can probably... Nowadays, there's so many things that you can you can get into, you know, in terms of I mean, obviously uh, YouTube when, and things. Yeah, you know. that's
1: what I was going to say. When I was learning, when I was 10, this was pre-internet, so there was yeah. no... You know, you couldn't Google anything, you couldn't YouTube anything. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my dad's record collection was my <laughs> kind yeah. of my musical YouTube, right. really. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I did uh, the classical guitar lessons... Um, like I said, I was never really interested in playing classical guitar. It was always rock, you know, rock, blues, music I wanted to play. But mm. the classical guitar lessons taught me, number one, how to read music, and yeah. uh, number two, like the, the traditional harmony theory of, of music. And obviously classical guitar is for different, different style techniques, but classical guitar is really hard to play. Right. So the discipline of learning that technique... Mm touch wood, I you know, since then I've never really struggled to play anything technically that I've ever been asked to play. Right. Um that's not to say I can play anything, no. <laughs> but it, i I've never really had to struggle. I think that the foundation and the, hmm. the building blocks that the classical lessons give me from day you know, from the age of ten. Yeah. So, even though I don't play classical guitar anymore, that's filtered into everything I've ever done so ever it, since.
0: It sounds like certainly an advantage, even though you probably didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, at the um, time, you yeah. know,
1: it was just a, um, it was just a way that I could play guitar and learn guitar, and you know, at the same time as as having classical guitar lessons, my parents bought me an electric guitar, and I was mm. you know teaching myself rock electric guitar basically from my dad's record collection, yeah. you know, and that was done by. Than by ear luckily my fingers would cooperate because of the hassle yeah, of the, dialysis, the coordination so, yeah yeah, yeah
0: did you used to do uh, i mean one of the techniques i used to do was um flipping the needle back and forth on the, it, record, that, on the record because you couldn't really do anything any other way in those days you know it was it was were, just, this
1: was pre-cd i mean this yeah. was pre-digital um i mean when i the the, the first ever sort of guitar solos i ever remember him was exactly as you say lift yeah. the needle yeah. Put it back and forth, and if there was a fast bit, yeah. you had to put your elbow on the turntable to slow, yeah, it, down, slow it down, which <laughs> meant you had to drop down a couple of frets because all the pitch dropped.
0: And also, but that was how you did it. It used to catch out sometimes, uh, obviously, because I don't know if it was in the transfer they transferred it or if they had down tuned to be flat or something like. That, and you could just think, well, this is the wrong key or whatever. That's it takes a little while yeah, to yeah. figure that out as well. I
1: think it was a lot of trial and error doing that way, and, and sometimes you you never end, you know. Not like now, where you could type in a song into YouTube and you get yeah. like five hundred people teaching you. Yeah. Let alone all the live versions of the the actual artist playing it, where you can see their hands. I mean, you know, you're just in a room with a record player, so yeah. there's a lot of guesswork involved. But
0: well, I also think it can be confusing now because you can see five or six different versions of our solos played uh, on YouTube as well. So I think, yeah, it, it can, I mean, it it's
1: it's be. got its it's got its pluses and minuses. Minus I suppose. Minuses. I mean, yeah. you know, if I'm learning a song or a solo by a particular guitarist and you can kind of see a four or five different versions of it live versions where he's playing something slightly different. For me, I I like that because you can kind of get in the headspace of yeah where he's thinking, exactly. you know what he's thinking and and the thought process because it kind of shows itself more when you've got four or five different versions of it then. Yeah, so definitely. for me learning something like that you get more mileage out of it than just learning to play a song so sure. if you can understand how the players thinking and w- why they're doing what they're doing mm. you can take that approach That's and true. use it yourself and in a completely different
0: yeah it's a really good, song. Really so, good point I think definitely so you've uh, mentioned a little bit about how you started out with the, the lessons and uh, playing in some local bands and it kind of what was the next step uh, from there for well, you? F- uh,
1: when I, I mean, I suppose I started playing in local bands around sort of Cardiff and the Welsh Valleys when I well, when I was about 14, I was still in school. Mm. Um, I remember when I was sitting my GCSE exams, you know, I, I was doing three or four gigs a week at a residency in a pub in Cardiff that used to be yeah. called Sam's Bar. Yeah. Every Thursday night, I think, we start at midnight and finish yeah. at two, but I was 14, 15 at Good the time. Good old Sam's, yeah. So... Um, so I was kind of already earning money. I was, I was even doing a little bit of teaching then as well, you know, maybe mm. a handful of students mm. um, by the time I was sort of 15. Um, and as work experience, I had a Saturday, I ended up doing a week work experience in Crane's music shop where yeah. we met. Yeah, that's um, right. And then I ended up getting a Saturday job there. And then I ended up working there for a couple of years full time. Mm. Um, so, and along with that, I ended up teaching guitar Cranes in one of their back rooms. I,
0: I think one of the things I picked up from that I used to enjoy. It was like a community, wasn't it? Um, it was, or, you yeah. Because you you met so many different levels of musicians in there, and, and sometimes touring musicians used to call in. You that's know, right, chat yeah. with them I mean, but talking to road crew for different things, and uh, yeah, it was never a dull moment. There was no. always something going on there. And, and you it, had the, all the, the new
1: the new players, and you had the old timers that have yeah, been doing it for years. Right, and yeah. I used to love it. They they come in, and you know they would, they wouldn't all people wouldn't only come in to buy a guitar they come in for a chat and a, right. a coffee and yeah. tell you stories of you know exactly on the road on it the was road. Good. it was great like you say it was a good it was community good. um
0: it was a, there was a very good launch pad then for for doing other things wasn't it because you met lots of different people you got a little bit into um the tuition side of yeah. things like you say you did a few lessons there yeah so i, I presume that was something that sort of helped it was you kind of like a, a
1: springboard i suppose because because i was working in a music shop like you say i got to meet lots of other musicians mm. and you know Generally, they were a lot older than me and, and more experienced than me, but I seemed to be asked to play with different bands and, yeah. and it sort of snowballed a little bit from there. Um, and the teaching sort of got busier because of you know it was all word of mouth. Like I said, there was no internet or advertising or Facebook or anything like that. It was yeah. all kind of word of mouth. Um, so I did that until I was 17, I think. Um, and then the Musicians' Union in Cardiff ran a music competition Um, and the prize was a like a scholarship for the Musicians Institute in London to study there Um, and I think for the competition you had to record like a little demo Mm -hmm. of your playing Um, and by that time I think I bought like a little four-track tape you know multi-track Fostex type recorder and I remember uh, recording this sort of uh, guitar instrumental demo I suppose you call it which is what I submitted That competition and and I won and I managed to get the scholarship so that was kind of took me to the next stage where I was sort of in London yeah Um, so I did my scholarship and then I ended up moving to London because I was getting more and more work playing in bands Mm -hmm. in London.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well just to go on a little bit about that um, with uh, the route you took there I mean obviously London you're much it's much a bigger place so uh, there's obviously a lot more people uh, musicians there there's a uh, lot more kind of opposition if you want to put it that way Um, kind of how did you get into that scene obviously the Cardiff scene you you knew some people via the shop uh, and playing gigs so obviously you go into a completely unknown territory there Um, So how did you first build up those links and what sort of stuff did you end up doing there? So the
1: first, like I say, the first sort of route to London happened because of that um, Musicians Institute. Um, And then obviously being there you meet other people. But I also had some good friends that I'd worked in bands within Wales that had moved to London a few years before. You know, real good drummer and keyboard player. Mm -hmm. Um, So when the time came that I felt like I was ready to move to London, I already knew you had a set up there people yeah. that were already working and, and b- right. busy yeah. so I not that I had it easy but I always I almost had a, a way an inroad already yeah. Yeah. so by the time I uh, cuz for I don't know 6 months a year maybe I commuted and I'd do you know two or three nights in London and mm. then come back to Wales where I'd do two or three days of teaching and gigs in Wales so mm. to start with it was very much split between the two places mm. um but then see I started getting more and more work in London and I started doing then sort of theatre I got started doing sort of touring West End theatre shows and Mm. So okay. that took me th- to London more and more then. Um, and how
0: did you break it? Was that a case of auditions? You just hear about uh, um, there was a vacancy and there was an audition? Or was it, again, you was know it what? a friend I've never, of a friend? ever
1: done an audition in my life <laughs> well, <laughs> for well, anything.
0: That's, well, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because, you know, people people would think, oh, you'd have to audition for this. Yeah. you know? But, I mean, I guess contacts are one of the things. I major think it's things.
1: probably a lot different now than it used to be. But I can honestly say, you know, like I said, I've been doing you know self-employed musician for like 25 years I don't think I've ever had an audition I don't think I've ever had an interview Mm. any any work I've ever had whether it's playing or recording work or teaching Mm. has always been offered to me you know a phone call you know such-and-such recommended you would you be interested in doing this gig or this tour or this teaching? so thankfully that's the way it's panned out for me I think it would be a lot different now if I was starting out now Um,
0: that could well be the difference now isn't it, because of uh, the way that the whole industry has changed you know it it could well be that uh, well I guess now you know in those days you didn't really have um, the college network there is now and the learning network network that there is
1: I mean it was complete it was completely different then I mean for, for you know even going back to when I was in school like third fourth fifth year of high school comp I think I was the only child that you know the only pupil in the school that played guitar yeah now you know, yeah. you've know, you got 30, 40 kids learning in primary school, by the time you get to high school there's another 30, 40 kids and that's in every year learning yeah. so, you know there's, guitar is much more accessible now, you know, when, right. I, when I was a kid if you had, an, I can remember when I first asked for an electric guitar for Christmas you know, my mates would be like you, you never have one of them, that's like having a, asking for a summer house or something, yeah, it yeah. was such a like uh, yeah,
0: it uh, was a crazy yeah. out of the reach sort of thing to ask yeah. for
1: but so now it's completely different. You know, yeah. you can go and buy a guitar for you know fifty quid or whatever it is. Well, I, th- I think a
0: lot of that has come about because TV programs and v- various other things like that. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot more media around now, social yeah. media and stuff, people talking about music, and but it's kind of interesting. You know, one of the things I wanted to um, talk to you about, obviously your path. Uh, and um, what we will do at some stage later later on, we'll have maybe maybe someone who who's young breaking into it now to understand yeah. what the path they're going down. Yeah, yeah. so it is interesting what you're saying, it's, about that. I mean,
1: you obviously you have to change and adapt with the times, which I think I've I've done course, to a certain yeah. degree. But I think if it would be very different if I was starting out now yeah. than than 25 years ago. I mean, purely on the the fact that. The number of people that play guitar yeah.
0: now is massively there's a lot lot more
1: you know greater in numbers than when i and, f- first
0: started playing and a lot lo- the, the level seems to have increased a lot there's a lot of fantastic players out there on a the young grade not to say there wasn't you know great players in the past obviously there were but i think that the
1: other thing to i mean you know youtube youtube again it's a double-edged thing i think it's great as a, a like a database but you know, you can you can go on YouTube and there's like millions of guitar players, mm. and I call them like bedroom players that yeah. they sit there in their bedroom and they you know they can play faster than, yeah. <laughs> faster than anything you've ever heard. Yeah. But you know, chuck him on a pub gig and ask him to jam with a one four five De- chord progression, definitely. a blues thing, they don't know what to do. So, yes, there's probably a lot more guitar players out there now. There's a lot more bedroom players, but I think there's a lot less gigs and there's a lot less work. Yeah. So maybe whereas you know. I was out, 13, 14 years of age, playing in bands, actually, yeah, playing songs and music. You know, I don't think there is that, that opportunity experience. as much now. So people end sure. up just being a bedroom player, you know, playing the backing tracks and stuff, which is great, but it's not. That's not a replacement for playing with other no. mu- other real life musicians no, not, in the no. same room. No. you know, and you all suck when you start. <laughs> but
0: the idea is, the longer yeah. you do it, the less you suck. Of course, of course it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You mentioned a little bit about the uh, you know getting to the West End. How diff How different is that? Because obviously, it must be quite a disciplined thing. You have to work um, within a framework. Again, there, it was or... not
1: something I'd ever. I didn't have any sort of master plan of oh I want to be a teacher or I want. To, I just mm. wanted to play guitar. I didn't know how or, you know, yeah. And and the West End, I, I I've never been into West End musicals. It's not my. Thing, I, I, in all honesty, I find them a bit cheesy. But I, I get it. You know, when, and you mm. have to be a certain standard to play the music in a lot of those shows. Sure. And like you say, it's disciplined. You are. You have to be a reader, really, to be able to do those shows. And mm. you are playing the same thing night after night, night after night. There's mm. very little room for any kind of improvisation or. So it, it does feel like you're on a conveyor belt. Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> turn on at the start, turn off at the end, and
0: I could imagine that there was there must have been some moments, you know, some uh, that happened uh, during those performances that you can recollect. Or uh,
1: I mean, there, there, there was so, uh, there's
0: so many. I mean, I did
1: the West End Abba musical. Yeah. Um, the tour in, it was called Abba Mania, not Mamma Mia, it was another, before Mamma Mia came out, there was another West End musical called Mm Abba Mania, and it was basically like a a live creation of the last, or recreation of the last Abba concert, now I must stress I've never liked (laughs) that in my life, ever, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and again, it was a phone call, a guy I'd worked with, still work with now, a keyboard player. Was already working on that show, and the guitar player that was doing it, a Welsh guy called Howell Mags. Yes, um, yeah. Howell did the West End stint, mm. um, but he didn't want to go on tour. He okay. didn't. It started touring worldwide, and uh, Howell's great. He's a great player, <laughs> crazy <laughs> as a bat. But yeah. he, he didn't want to. He didn't want to do the tour. So that's when I joined. Um, so I didn't do the stint in the West End. I did the tour. Yeah. Um, and I did that for about three years, and we went all over the world to various tours. Yeah. And, you know, I was, that was quite crazy, that, because there was only seven of us on stage, and the, you had the, the two girl singers at the front, uh, the Benny and the Bjorn characters, who mm. were kind of doing the fancy dress lookalike thing. Yeah. And then the band was myself on guitar, drums, and bass. Yeah. And we just, you know, we weren't in fancy dress, we were just sort of black.
0: Yeah. Black.
1: Jeans and you know, towards the back the yeah, yeah. It, we yeah. were on stage yeah. and we yeah. were in full view, but we weren't, you know, we weren't the ABBA people. Yeah. Um, but that toured all over the world, and you know, we did some crazy, crazy gigs. We were flown out to Tahiti to do one show in an outdoor stadium. Mm. Um, you know, the the week before Toto played there, the week after us, Joe Cocker played there. It was yeah. you know, crazy, crazy, really. Um,
0: it's quite, a, it's quite a step up then from, um, you know, in terms of, uh, like a mental thing as well, from, you know, you're playing uh, sort of in London, uh, then all of a sudden you've you got the West End gigging in, you're travelling off. It was a proper places.
1: touring, touring. So that's a pro big. Show. It's a yeah. big
0: learning curve, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, and also whatever you take with you, you take with you. So I suppose, you've got to take the right gear with you. Or you've got to get yeah you know, those sort of things. You've got to prepare yourself in a different way. I mean, perhaps. I'd done before that
1: show. I'd done quite a bit of other touring around Europe with like sixties and seventies and eighties theatre shows. So I was kind of used to the the yeah. whole touring, touring sort of yeah. way of. Working and you know, kind of travel as light as you can, but you've got your essentials, and you kind of learn to be a bit of a guitar tech and a bit of a amp tech on the road because you know if things break down, which they inevitably do, you you know, and it's an hour before the show, you you got to get dig in and sort it out. Exactly. Um, So yeah, you. you, But like you say, when you're on tour like that on a uh, like a pro show, it's a it is different. It's a different mindset. It's a different.
0: Headspace. I should imagine uh, from talking to other friends who have done it as well, I mean one of the biggest drags is all the travelling around yeah. and, and the downtime where there's not much to, to do and you know you just hang around to I mean it, yeah the, the, the gig
1: is the easy bit, you know yeah. you're on stage for two hours a night it's the other 22 hours of the day that uh, you know you're away from your family, you're mm. away from your home, you're away from all your normal sort of homely comforts, yeah. you're, you're living out of a suitcase and you know, you're either travelling on a tour bus all day and then sound checking, doing the show and then to a hotel and it's Groundhog Day for as long as that tour goes on. So if that's a week or two weeks or a month. yeah. But then we did, with the ABBA show, we did. We were in Australia and Sydney for... It was kind of like Sydney's answer to the Vegas casino theatres. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in Sydney for about two and a half months and we were in one venue, um, Star casino theatre right in um, Darling Harbour, lovely hotel, five-star hotel. And yeah. Les Mis was in one theatre, and we were in Next Door in the other theatre. But we were there for two and a half months, and we, we didn't move. So, you know, we could go to Bondi Beach every day. Uh, Sounds was, like the idea oh, That was great. fantastic. Um, so, yeah, swings and roundabouts again. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 I imagine the other thing that comes into play as well, again, for somebody who was thinking of getting into this sort of uh, business with... Um, You know, it's it's all good having the uh, the musical talent side of things, but also there's a big relationship thing with members of the band, um, and you know, it's like you've got to get on with a lot of different types of people. And what they,
1: you know, the the standard line is what they like on the bus. Yeah, you know, because that, (laughs) you know, there's loads of other guitar players that you know were good enough to do the gigs I've done, and you know, still out, but. I tend to get on all right with people, you know, and I think that's a big thing when you're living, yeah. working, travelling together 24-7 for sometimes months at a time. Mm. If you're a pain in the ass to get on with, yeah. you don't last very long.
0: You no, know, I mean, it's it's something that you have to consider I mean, whatever level you play. I mean, you know, it's famous how bands fall out over various yeah, things, yeah. you know. So that side of it is quite interesting as well, and I think it's something you have to consider when you go, in, you go into it and, on all aspects of the music yeah. side of it. Thanks.
1: i mean by the time you get you know if 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 you start getting offered sort of pro touring gigs like that it's already taken as read that you can play and you yeah. can do the job that's you know that's not really in question otherwise you wouldn't have been asked to do the gig you know the the variants then are, you know what's that person like
0: exactly. <laughs> you know to yeah.
1: work live within proc close proximity you know are they a raging alcoholic or yeah. are they yeah. a raging drug
0: addict yeah, you well, know and these things have to be taken into consideration that's it, to because some degree, it's yeah. no
1: fun being stuck with somebody that drives you wild day in day out no. you? because
0: you know that feels like work then no, um, definitely i can uh, i can understand that could be a difficult situation yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely so you've you've done the touring bit you've been around europe you've been yeah. to australia in lots of exciting places and what happens then so you've you've come back, come uh, back to the uk and yeah where, event- i mean eventually
1: stage? when i was i was still living in london um and it I mean, we all know London is a real expensive place to live and I was only renting property then. But I spent so much time out of London traveling, touring, that it seemed pointless me spending all that money in rent for a place I wasn't in (laughs) very often. So, um, and that coincided with, I met, my wife at the time. We, I think right. we've been together twenty one, twenty-two years now or twenty-one years.
0: Well I hope you get the year right. Um
1: so yeah, that coincided with meeting her and that so I moved back to I moved back to Wales then. Mm. Um, I think we were probably only together a year and we bought a house mm-hmm. in Roost, mm-hmm. um, which is where I still am now. Yeah. Um, but obviously with like the internet these days and mm. The world seems a lot more of a small you know but back when I was starting out it you, London was the place to be to mm. if you wanted to be a pro musician but I don't think it's like that anymore no it's it's, changed it doesn't really deal, matter where you are because you know <laughs> nothing is too far to, nowhere is too no. far to travel to now I, um,
0: I think it's also interesting as well you know you start off as, as a young man and you're doing all these different things and the different stage of your life now is you're married you're settled down you've got commitments and you know, you've yeah. got kids as well and yeah you know, and then you still want. Obviously, you love music. You still want to play music and do so. You don't really want to be going out touring all the time and doing these things. So where do you go from there? I'm, Is this where you got more I mean, involved in yeah, teaching? Or
1: I always wanted. I was always interested in the production side of things and recording side of things. I have always written music. Um, so one of my sort of when we were looking to buy our house, one of my one of my sort of. Uh, the deal breaker for buying a house was it had to have somewhere, i.e. a garage that I could convert, or a, a studio space, somewhere that I could convert to a studio, yeah. um, you know, and that, ideally the house would be detached and not annoy neighbours and all that kind of thing. So yeah. um, that's kind of what we did. We bought the house, and yeah. shortly after, I, I built the studio that i still got today. Um, but yeah, obviously, when you're married, I mean, I still... I still went away on tour for probably the first ten years we were married, um, mm. and I, you know I was probably away from home six months of the year at least, yeah. <laughs> which is tough. You know, it's tough, tough. It's something to take into anyone. consideration
0: yeah. that you know it's a job, it's, it's a vocation as well as you're I married said, into yeah. that as yeah. well, really yeah. Yeah. as well.
1: I mean, the, the 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 big change for me came when we when we uh, decided to have children. You know, so oh. uh, my older son's eight now, and my youngest son is five. Um, i mean i didn't want to be away from home six months of the year when you know when we decided we were having you know i mean i've got uh, an older daughter as well which um but when we decided we were having younger children i didn't want to be away from home i did actually want to be at home and see them grow up so for me that i sort of changed my work a little bit then whereas I didn't go away on tour as much I still do but I can be a bit more picky about what I say yes to whereas mm. before if you're permanently on tour that's obviously your main source of income which is what's paying your mortgage and paying your bills at home so when that tour comes to an end you're constantly looking for the next one to jump exactly. onto so yeah. you're constantly in work so I wanted to get out of that mm. sort of uh, rat race really where mm if i wanted to go and do a tour because it was a project that i liked or a show i liked or music i liked great but i didn't want to feel like i had to say yes to, just to pay the bills yeah. so then i started teaching a bit more built my te- I mean i've always taught but i built the teaching up a bit more i mean i teach privately and i obviously teach in the, in the uni here mm. um, and that with setting up a studio meant I went from not just being a performing musician anymore, I had my own studio that was doing commissioned work for people, so that was generating a bit of an income, and teaching obviously generated an income. Um, so a couple of more different irons in the fire, rather than just being a touring musician, which for me works a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think that's the point I was uh, was going to make to you, is that um, you know, well, everyone I've spoken to who have been um, self-employed over the years you have to change direction quite often depending on how your life changes yeah and i think if you're going to go into music then you, you've got to be prepared to think okay well you know you're doing obviously you're doing something you love but you're doing it for money as well so you need to find a different direction so it seems to me that you know you're a great example of the fact you you've done the touring side of it you did the, the playing side local and then you get into the production side of it so then go that's a different area you're going into now so when you mentioned a bit about commission is it something uh, is it possible then that you work with artists or do you work maybe on soundtracks or both. something like yeah
1: that? well both really um i mean obviously i'm lucky in the sense that i've got my own studio that i can walk into whenever i hit <laughs> inspiration well that's strikes. the other thing it's
0: the flexibility isn't yeah, it? Yeah. you know you could spend six hours in there and have a break i tend to work at night in the studio because yeah, um, a lot of guys and the kids yeah. are asleep <laughs> you yeah.
1: know my wife's asleep yeah <laughs> and my phone didn't ring Yeah. And my email didn't go ping every five minutes. So I can, you know, I can go in there once the kids and my wife's gone to bed, you know, Mm. I can go in there at midnight and Mm. quite happily work till four or five in the morning. And for me, that's great because I shut the door. I'm not bothering anybody. No one's bothering me. And it's uninterrupted work. And you know what it's like when you're recording, you kind of you know an so, hour feels like a minute Yeah, so, you just go totally focused that's on it there, yeah that, so, yeah so yeah it's great for for me the flexibility of just being able to go in there whenever mm. i want is great um i mean in terms of what i record yeah i do sort of uh, sometimes i might get commission work mm. to create a piece of music for well, it could be anything a radio jingle or a tv ad or or mm. any you know a- anything um i also create sort of um for Tour in theatre shows, a lot of theatre shows nowadays use something called click tracks. Yeah. So a click track for anybody that doesn't know is basically when when you have a band or or production live on stage, if you've got like a four or five piece band, drums, bass, guitar, keyboards, you know if if you've got big production songs that have got strings and brass and percussion on you know you can't go and tour a 52 piece no, orchestra because no. it would cost you a fortune so what a lot of productions do now is that anything that can't be played live on stage is put on track like a backing track mm. which then it's called a click track because the band play it's like a click a metronome that the band play like along the timing to.
0: Of, of how everything fits together that's it you, yeah you need so everything runs in
1: sync in. Yeah. that's it yeah. yeah so um so yeah I, I produce a lot of click tracks and backing tracks for shows yeah. um so And I, I've also started working with a, a another Welsh guy, a film composer, a guy called Mark Thomas, mm. um, who oh, he's done numerous film soundtracks, and I think he did the Twin Towns, the music with Twin Towns, various TV episodes, you know, nommy winner, NOM-y, uh, Emmy winner. But uh, he set up a library music company that I'm also working, you know, Writing and recording music for for his company as well that can get picked up all over the world and be used on adverts and all. But that
0: along, also alongside this sort of stuff as well, you've you've always written yourself, haven't you? And you've, right, you've yeah, also yeah. written and produced and you produced uh, your own uh, album uh, as well.
1: Yeah, um, um. I mean, again, that's the the benefit though of having my own studio that if, you know, like you say, I always write stuff and. Um, over the years I suppose I built up a collection of, of songs and p- bits of music that you know we'd written or and again that was when, when I had children you know when we had kids that was it, was it was I don't know whether that's called a midlife crisis or whatever <laughs> it is but suddenly it dawned on me when I had kids that I thought right well at some point, they're going to say to me, "Dad, what, what's your job? What yeah. do you do?" Yeah. And I just thought, "Well, what, what can I show them? You know, yeah. I've done this tour, done that. It means nothing to you know a four or five year old.
0: Of course, yeah. So I thought
1: it would be nice to actually, you know, have something that I could say, "Actually, that's me. Mm. <laughs> you know, watch this or listen to that. That's that's me. That's what I would say I do." Um And that's kind of how the how the the Cool Hand is the name of the yes. our, yeah. our band, if you like um it's not really a band It's is myself and another singer a guy called darren edwards who you also know we yeah. you know we uh, he's another welsh guy we've known each other for you know 20, 20 odd years um he's got a great voice um and me and him have always got on well and stayed in touch and mm. we always wrote together so it was a, like a natural fit really so the band really the first album was a studio album the me and him had written um and recorded i mean i recorded a lot of the instruments on the album not just guitar bass and some of the piano and stuff darren obviously did the the vocals um we had i mean i don't play drums so we had you know maybe four or five different drummers come in and whoever really was around and available at the time we, we thought we'd have one guy come in and play on a couple of tracks and then another guy come in and play on a couple of tracks um there's a guy on there playing pedal steel on one track which is great Um, there are a couple of other bass players on there like fretless bass which i'm not a bass player so uh, i can i can record bass but you know it's always nice to have a a real bass player come in on certain things Sure. so that's kind of how the first album came about really Um, and then we we put a band together around that album which is like the live band if you like uh, another keyboard player I work with a lot on on shows, Gareth Kedwood another Welsh guy um, he co-wrote some of the tracks with us on the first album mm-hmm. um, so really I would say it's myself Darren and, and Gareth if if you could call it a band we were we are the band if you like, everybody else is kind of interchangeable if, if
0: which, like. which again shows how it works now is the fact that you know because you've got the studio set up and nowadays it's not too expensive to have a studio set up in some sort of format no, no. that allows you um, because you're getting the, the income from doing the commission jobs and stuff that allows you to be creative and uh, do the album music that you, you want to do personally it, yeah, yeah. and I think that's the route that a lot of musicians go down because it's hard to make money out of original music. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and there's it's no issue. money
1: in selling records anymore because no. people don't buy records. No. It's all, you know, that's a whole other debate of like the whole streaming Spotify yeah, that's, thing. That's which, another which, podcast.
0: I think. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> probably about <for> 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to make money out of original yeah. music. So we didn't do it with the intention of making money no. out of it. We did it because we really wanted to do it and yeah. we had something we felt. Was good, and we had something we felt that uh, we wanted to say musically, so that was the point of it. I mean, you know, if we make some money along the way, well, happy days, but but, but I, that wasn't the point of it,
0: you no, know. And I think it's great, is you're what you're doing is you're highlighting to people who, um, you know, who want to get into this or already in the music business that. Uh, it's about diversity, and it's about, you know, nowadays, to get your music out there, you have to do these different things. You know, either you've got to go out and gig to earn some money, or yeah. you've got to do some other work, or whatever. And like you mentioned yourself, you weren't a great fan of ABBA, but you did that because of... I mean, what it, you ultimately want good money, to do. <laughs> you
1: know, at the time, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, to it, it to, to get to that paid, route. Yeah, that's you, right. You yeah. have to
0: do certain things and to explain to people that, you know, it, it is about that, diversifying a lot, doing different things, maybe jobs you don't particularly want to do, but that's you're it, still yeah. doing things within music. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, that's kind of the way it's gone now. It's, it's very hard to, you see, um, you know, back, back uh, at, in a time it would have been you get signed to a label and that's kind of your life for a few years anyway you know you you you're yeah, just working for that label and maybe producing albums and uh, and that's it but it's a totally different route yeah no?
1: I, I mean i don't think the i don't think there are record deals around anymore like anything near Not like they the used same to level, be no. um, i mean you know it used to be in the old days if you like a record company if you were lucky signed you Mm. And they would literally take control of everything: your marketing, your artwork, your video production, your music production. And by the time they'd paid for all of that stuff to be done, mm. you know, then you might possibly well, make some money. And of
0: course, you have to pay that all back. Yeah, exactly. That's the same thing they pay. didn't realize you know, so, a lot yeah, of them. Exactly, you know. yeah. uh, that and the crooked manager. So that, that's it. You know, so so, so it, yeah.
1: I think those days are pretty much gone, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like I say, it's, it's really difficult to make money. On original music, unless you are very lucky, you yeah, know, when you, yeah. you, you you do strike gold and have have a, you know, a, one of your songs placed on a TV program or or a computer game, you know, because yeah. that's another so, big source.
0: So of, something along the line of you have a little bit of luck, and that takes you into a different direction. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So you you've done a lot of these different things now. You've you you've obviously uh, got your own studio, you produce your own your your own stuff as well. So tell us a little bit now about just the project that you're doing uh, you know with with the live uh, events that you're putting on.
1: Okay, so we um again I mean it, it kind of feeds into the Coolan thing a little bit because um after we released the first album we we did some live shows and obviously we had to put a band together for the a live band together. Um and the band was great. I mean it was all other musicians, all Welsh guys and girls that we've you know worked with on tours over the year, uh, over the years that and we all remain friends and all, you know all great players, um, but like you said, you know to, to make money out of original music, whether it's selling records or or playing live, it, it's a tough tough ask. But it was such a good band we put together. We thought, right, we need another vehicle for this band to actually make some money you know as a as a company so we back in 2005 i set up uh because at the time i was doing lots of touring theater shows and that tribute type shows if you like um so in 2005 i set up a a show called the ultimate classic rock show which is not it's a tribute show but it's not a tribute to one band it's a tribute to the genre right. so the idea being kind of it's basically like my dad's record collection yeah. really going back to when I was <laughs> yeah. 10 yeah. that if you like Pink Floyd the chances are you like Deep Purple you like Led Zeppelin you like yeah. ELO you like you know that category of music so we thought um, and we didn't want to do the whole fancy dress thing I think that really cheapens mm. it so that the idea of the show was that we do uh, it's a two-hour show hour each half all the Big classic, sort of classic rock tracks that you know, if it's like your dream set list, if you're into that kind of music, Mm. it would be like you know your favorite Pink Floyd track, your favorite Deep all all the your favorite classic rock tracks in a 2-hour show.
0: It's like your your playlist, your your um, your rock playlist That's or, it, all yeah, then in yeah. one in one evening. Yeah. 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 And
1: of course a lot of those bands now are dead or you know mm. um, have split up. So you can't go and see those bands live anymore. So we thought right well there's there's definitely a gap in the market for that kind of show and obviously a lot of the people that were into that music and now of a certain age where they've got a bit more disposable income. Yeah. So they they you know a trip to the theater, you know, a couple of tickets and some drinks and a meal is mm. you know affordable now, you know when people are in their twenties, maybe not so much, no so we thought, right, we've got a target audience here, we've got a band that can perform this show um but we the question then was how do we turn this band into a theater show rather than just being a a good covers band, mm. so then we went down the whole route of. We've got a big screen behind us. So we've got r- videos and visuals running right, so in it's,
0: sync. So it's, is it similar to, you know, so if it's a Pink Floyd the track you're playing, then it's got the sort of visuals you would kind of expect exactly. if you would see That's Pink right. Floyd. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so you get the whole sort of feel of the event as well. Uh, yeah,
1: know? so we've got the visuals running on the screen, which, again, they run to a click track with us. So the visuals are happening dead in sync with us on stage right. um and obviously we got the big you know rock light show to go with it so um so i we set i set that up in 2005 but i set that up with a silent partner um mm. and we both chucked a load of cash into it um but he really was a silent partner in the right. sense of everything was left to me right. um, and that's a full-time job Mm. And naively, I didn't realise at the time how much of a big job that was think- to, to run that, you know, not only, you know, make sure there was a band and if certain musicians in the band couldn't do it, find in-depth musicians, repl- mu- replacement musicians, but, you know, paying the musicians because, right. you know, you went... Had- when you're doing a show like that, the musicians are on a wage and mm. they need paying regardless whether you sell 10 tickets or 50 tickets or 500 tickets. Well, so,
0: again, this is another aspect, isn't it? You know, if yeah. it, you, you start out, you want to be a musician, but you end up having to take on these other roles. You end roles, up being a businessman be a business almost, person, yeah. Because it's the only way you can actually get your music across or whatever I you see, want to do yeah. is to, to take on the, so, this other role.
1: So we did that. We tried that in 2005 and we did, you know, we did, we did some great shows. We. Ended up working with a promotion company in from London um, that were, you know, 30 years in the business successful promotion company. Um, but the, the guy who ran that company uh, died oh, right. um, and his wife, or his widower then, took the company over mm. and obviously she hadn't had much experience yeah, of running yeah, that sure. promotion company um, and it ended up that company went bankrupt. Um, mm at that point I just thought, right, this is not <laughs> what I want, this is taking up too much of my time, it's too much, too stressful, and I just kind of put it to bed you know, I didn't, and I ended up doing a different tour, and you know mm. so, fast forward to you know, a couple of years ago the Coolan band, the live band, we are thinking, right, we need a vehicle for this band, so I thought, right, well let's resurrect the rock show, yeah. but this time we'll do it differently this mm-hmm. time we'll set it up as a company, mm-hmm. so I'm not you know, I'm not the boss if you like, or it's not my company. Everybody in the show is an equal director. So now there's there's nine of us, there's seven of us on stage, we've got our own promoter, and we've got our own light and sound uh, guy. So there's nine of us in the team. and it works a lot better because everybody, you know, the workload is sh- shared between the nine of us. So it doesn't take over anyone's life. <laughs> it's, I mean, it still can be stressful, but it, nowhere near like trying to run a show like that on your own.
0: Well, it's another, it's another important thing that you learn as well Is you know, I think you do tend to do, try to do everything y- yourself, you know, that uh, being as you're self-employed and you're driven to do these things. And sometimes it's, it's good to really think about how you're going to do this, yeah. as you just described, you know, and the second attempt, it's worked out and it's successful. Yeah, and you were just uh, telling me a little bit earlier on about um, the next tour. Now is going is moving on to bigger venues as well.
1: Yeah, because obviously when we when we when we started the show again, you know, two years, two two and a half years ago, to all intents and purposes, it was a new show because you know for for ten years, twelve years, or whatever it was, the show had been dormant. So we we suddenly go back to theaters and say, right, we want to, you know, hmm. and they're like, well, we've never heard of you, <laughs> and and of course, but again. You know when we originally ran the show in 2005 this was pre-facebook this was pre-youtube yeah. so there was no online presence of the show because that wasn't you know that wasn't happening mm. when we did it so obviously when we when we went back two and a half years ago it was like starting at the bottom starting from scratch you know um trying to get theaters you know even three four five hundred the theaters to take a chance on a brand new show mm. It's it's, it's quite a task. Now luckily we're in a position now where our promoter, if you like, a a guy called Ian Parsons, he's been again in the business for years. Well, another Welsh guy, um, he's part of the team now. So we've actually got our own promoter who's part of the company. So he's obviously got a vested interest in selling and promoting the show. Which is working great. Um, but yeah, it, it's tough, you know, and, and it's still tough. We're, we're still, uh, you know, the first tour was small small venues and only a handful of venues. Then uh, towards the end of last year and this year, the beginning of this year, we, we sort of were doing theatres around the or 500-seater mark. And, you know, probably 70% of them we were sold out on. Well, you know, we sold out or close to selling out, which was great, um, which meant we all ended up making a bit of money which we didn't expect to but we all invested that straight back into the company and you know bought more equipment lights and screens and all that kind of stuff. So uh, this year the tour, I think we we got a bit of a break now until the 15th of June I think we, we've got a, an outdoor festival and then I think the tour starts end of August through this year into next year. But this time we're we're the the theaters and the venues are a bit bigger. Mm. We're trying to increase the size of the venue. So we've got um, I mean we're doing a, f- a few venues in South Wales. I know we're doing uh, theater up in Brecon. We're doing uh, theater up in Rill, which is a big sort of twelve,
0: eleven, twelve hundred seater. Mm-hmm. Um, a venue in Cardiff as well on this tour. Or?
1: Um, we did the globe we did a show in the globe in cardiff um earlier this year um i mean it's a slightly different the globe is obviously the way we've set this show up is more of a theater show where Mm. you've got the lighting and the and the projection and where the stages are bigger Um, and obviously the facilities the depth of the stages and the height to fly and hang lights and stuff obviously the globe is more of a live music venue as opposed to like a theater so i mean we had a great night there don't get me wrong but it it's hard to cram us into a small stage like that yeah. when we it is geared to do theatres. So as much as we like the globe, I think we have we we are doing it again. I think we re- rebooked there next year. But um, sure. I, I think we need to look for a, a more suitable venue in Cardiff to do the next one. I mean, I know Ian our promoter's been in talk with possibly the new theatre, um, mm. or they've possibly the tram shed, which is a bit bit, mm. bit more rock and roll, I suppose. But it's so
0: interesting the progression from you know how you start started out and now you, you're looking at you know, a fairly big size the really really to to do the project. Um, it's also interesting too. We I mean, we started off the conversation where you say you were listening, like myself, listening to solos on on an album and just flicking it back and forth, and then you know with the perseverance and doing different things, you end up having your own studio where you're producing your own records yeah. and then you're doing your own tours on this sort of sort of level that you do it on now. So if you were kind of starting out again, I mean obviously it's a different time if you were uh, st- about to get into the business you would be a plumber. You would be a plumber <laughs> exactly and I would be a carpenter. And we would probably meet and work <laughs> on together a building anyway site somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't We'd have you know we wouldn't have grey hair and things like yeah. that. But uh, no, I mean if you we were going to go it, I mean, obviously it's uh, I I think it's great that we can pass our experience on to, to younger people because it's hard for them, yeah. it's different times as well, but, I mean you, there was a couple of things you touched on there, I mean I think contacts are very very important yeah. and getting the right people involved And would you agree or not, you know, get, maybe getting the right promoters or you know, make, being certain about you've got the right people involved in the whole setup. I think now more than ever if you're starting out
1: rather than sitting around waiting for some dream gig to land in your lap you just gotta go out and just make your own that, work. Yeah, you know, create your own work rather than waiting for your dream gig to fall. Because you know, there's a lot of guitar players out there that have been doing it for a long time that are great. And you know, a lot of there's not many big gigs around anymore. You mm. know, so a lot of those a lot of those jobs are already taken. Um, so I think just create your own work, whether that's you know a function band or a wedding band or you know uh, a pub band even just get out and do some mm. work because you're only going to build up a reputation as a good player or if you're working if you're doing work of some kind you it's know, true yeah. um nobody's ever going to have heard view of you and recommend you if you haven't done anything <laughs> so, no
0: i mean uh, I've, I've always found that is you get more contacts you know and you might be lucky that you do this gig at a wedding where there's a millionaire there who will do something or whatever it, there's a bit of luck involved and it's i've got to
1: but, I be honest it's normally other musicians that you work with if you're sure. working with you know if you can get yourself into a situation where you might be doing like a function band or, you know in my day wedding gigs and function bands were kind of like a bit Mm. Oh, I don't really want to do that, but now this it's a big deal. You know, you can mm. put a four piece, four piece wedding function band together that run track. You know, when they yeah. sound like a, you know a twenty piece band, mm. and they can go out and you know charge fifteen hundred quid for someone's wedding, and you know if there's four of you in your ba- in the band, you're not on bad money for 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 a covers gig really. Um, but you know, if if you're working in bands like that, where everybody can play. To a decent standard mm. you know you might do a gig and then a year later the, the guy you were doing the gig with on bass or the keyboard player you know he might be doing a, a tour or something and, and they might oh do you know a guitar player or do you know a drummer Oh, yeah, that guy worked with mm. so it's it kind of snowballs. It's not only people that see you in the audience, more often than not, it tends to be the other musicians you work with, and they think will recommend you, you for exactly, other, other work.
0: If they get a, a gig somewhere, then they might say, Well, I know a guitarist who's yeah. and this, not it's, it's kind can of like he's a good laugh. You
1: know, you get on, he's no head work, he's you know, that's kind of how it
0: yeah, how it on the works. recommendation side of things.
1: But if you're not out there doing something. Mm. No one's going to
0: recommend you. So, so, the advice is be nice to people. Be nice. M- make connections, get out there, do something. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: I, I don't think I've ever been a, a, you know, you get certain musicians that are real networkers. And I'm not that person. I've never been that person. I've, you know, I meet who I meet and, yeah. you know, I either like them or, or I don't yeah. and vice versa. Sure. And mm-hmm. luckily, yeah. you know, I've always managed to stay friends with a lot of people I've worked with over the years yeah. and, you know I want not see him from year to year or you know yeah. decade think, to decade but I'm still friends with him
0: I think um, you're modestly leaving out the talent side of things as well because he's a really talented player so I think pe- people will remember you for that as well but you do have to have the other side of it as well is I think what you I mean saying. you
1: know Yes, you you obviously need to be of a certain standard on whatever instrument you're playing to be able yeah. to do the job. If you can't do the job, you're not going to get recommended, like no. we were saying earlier. But so yeah, get practice, yeah. <laughs> get your shit together, yeah. uh, get good as mm. as much as you can, and, and mm. you know, there's universities in every every town, well, every um, city now running like contemporary music pop courses. You know, like the Beamers course and the pop course in in.
0: Here. And it's easy to record stuff on your laptop and your bedroom with a couple of speakers well, and do it a on microphone. Your phone now, or, you know. Do it on with your, your apps, phone you know. You know, there's various software things that are easy you do. not have to lift
1: do. the needle anymore. You've got no. apps that will just slow songs down kind of, for you to work out. Kind and...
0: of liked lifting a needle, but no. Nowadays it's a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah. But it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank, thank you for, thanks for sparing the time today. Uh, i hope um, if people will uh, have a little listen to the podcast and uh, pick up some of the experience you have had over the years which is plenty and uh, there's some good. tips in there for them yeah. and listen out for uh, your tour which is coming yeah. up um, I get, very soon if i my
1: my my own personal website is www.lukebradshaw.com. Okay. um on there you'll find you know there's a, a page on the Kulan music our original stuff the rock show um, mm. the studio mm. um Teaching the so, tuition side of things, yeah, as well, which yeah. you do online as well, don't I you? I do online I mean, Skype yeah. lessons. Yeah. I also do online, um, like remote recording sessions as well. Oh, great. So you know. If somebody wants me to record guitar on their on their track, they can send me the files and I can record it and send it back to them. So you don't even have to be in the same room as people anymore, you
0: yeah. know. So didn't you? Uh, didn't I think I remember you did? um You played a solo by a well-known band, and the guitarist went and commented on it as well. Would it be? Uh, uh, would it be Toto? And <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. I, d- I done a couple of little because I do uh, Skype lessons or video call lessons you know, FaceTime, Skype, all that kind of stuff i did a put a couple of little sample videos up on youtube of some well-known guitar solos so i play the solo through and then i'll I'll slow it down and t- like t- do a talk through lesson and they were only meant to sample lessons really to just advertise the the, the skype yeah. lessons just so i could link the youtube clips to my website but um yeah i had a message from i mean one of my all-time favorite ever guitar players my yeah. sort of Hero guitarist is uh, Steve Lukather from Toto, um, but not only was he from Toto, he was like the most call so on session guitarist, yeah. you know, Fantastic throughout player, the eighties yeah. and nineties. I mean, he's on like four thousand odd albums. Yeah. You know, Michael Jackson, Beat It. You know,
0: a lot of popular albums. Lionel Richie, run Lionel time running well. in yeah. the night. Yeah. Uh, you know,
1: he's he's on so, well so much known. stuff. But you know, I d- Toto are one of my favorite bands. They mm. they they kind of in the in the Steely Dan Toto that mm. kind of. Mm. So, it's it's rock and roll, but it's sophisticate more sophisticated in in the sense that it's not just your three or four chords. It's you know harmonically sophisticated. It's it's clever, hmm. but it, it's still got the essence of you know rock and roll in your face. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, he he anyway I put this uh, guitar solo sort of clip lesson clip on YouTube. Um, and i had a message from steve Lukather the next day just saying he thought it was great and you know did Fantastic. a great job and uh, so yeah there's that little comment you know the message that he sent me he's on the website as well
0: so it just goes to show you put yourself out there you know and you're emulating or trying to be like one of the great guitarists and then they get chatting to you see well, that's you know, so uh, i mean that's, that's the, the benefit the now
1: yeah things like facebook and youtube is great because you know my heroes, you know, that uh, as a kid, you know, they were just someone that you've seen a picture of on an album cover and mm. you like their playing. Now he's my friend on Facebook. So, yeah. you know, there might be the odd comment or message that goes back and forth. and I just think, man, that's that's the guy that's great, that I grew yeah. up listening to. So, yeah, and I've got quite a few friends of on Facebook that are kind of like my heroes over the years. So it's it's great. Technology, Facebook, that kind of social media is Another big thing to get sorted out if you're starting out, you know, yeah, because definitely. that's kind of like a shop
0: window. Really. Definitely. So, yeah. Well, well, thanks again, anyway, no for uh, spending the time today. And um, I think uh, Luke told you there about his uh, website, so take a little look on there if you fancy some lessons, we know just to hear a little bit about some of the stuff that he's done. Some, I think you can also purchase the album online as well. Of, yeah, and the uh, live some album. tour dates uh, will be on there as well. So and there out.
1: are links on my website to like the rock classic rock show website and Brilliant. the Cool and website. So it's kind of like a like
0: a shop window well check it out anyway fantastic okay thanks a lot then Cheers. cheers thanks very much cheers